This is episode 13, and today we are joined by Rob Spector, who is of Twilio fame and uh, one of the best developer advocates that I know of, and uh, previously of Twilio, no longer at Twilio, correct, Rob? Yep, yep, finished up at the at the end of last year. That's very kind of you to say. I think there's a, there's a lot of great people in the DevRel game right now, uh, yourself included, so that's, that's very high praise, sir. Thank you very much, and it's great to have you on the show. Uh, also, the intro music that you just heard was... Uh, one of uh, I don't know if you, it was one of your bands or your your only band, but it's, yeah. it was Rob's music. Uh, so thanks for performing that for us. Oh well, they, it, it was easy. <laughs> all, all I had to do was press play. <laughs> so that that was the uh, the adventure capitalist. Is that your that's your primary band? I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only band I'm in. Uh, uh, we're a stage agnostic punk band uh, based here in Brooklyn, New York, uh, trying to bring very loud music to start startup people. I had the extreme pleasure of seeing you play at PyCon EU uh, in Warsaw. 
Yeah, that's actually that's actually what started the whole thing, man. Like, really? like that's yeah, yeah. Uh, I I came back from from PyCon EU after the Olas graciously uh, invited me to play uh, a few acoustic songs. <laughs> the Olas. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, my my co-founder in the band, James Dennis. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, heard it and he was like, "He's also been a guest on the show as well." Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was like, "Dude, we gotta start a band." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> uh, and we did, and it, it sounds pretty. It, it sounds way better than we have any business sounding. That's that's, that's awesome. Sure. Yeah. You guys do all your own recording. Yeah, yeah, we're actually in the studio right now. We're going to be dropping a record this spring. Uh, it's. Uh, I just heard some of the uh, rough mixes. Uh, uh, yesterday, and it is sounding huge. It's sounding fantastic. really big. Yeah. Are you doing CD Baby for your distribution? No, we use DistroKid, uh, Puds thing. Uh, I'm not familiar up. with that. Uh, it's pretty rad. Uh, so it's like... Um, I, I do CD Baby, and then I they just like propagate to every single store available, including... Spotify and Tidal and all that stuff. Yeah, totally. Uh, so DistroKid is like the same thing, only it's uh, way less expensive and it's way oh. faster. So oh, it, okay. if you if you hit publish, it'll be in all the stores in like two days. Like it's ridiculously fast. Wow, I'm gonna yeah. have to check that out. DistroKid. Yeah, and it's like it's like it's like eighty bucks to do it on CD Baby, I think. Yeah, and I think it's like it's like sixty on DistroKid, and you upload as much as you want. All year, so it's like just a yearly oh. subscription, and you just so you can do multiple albums and multiple singles and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're particularly prodigious, uh, we're we're not, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, there there are bands out there that are, uh, and and they can they can definitely leverage that. Oh, that sounds like a great thing. I'm gonna give that a, give that a look at. And I, I really, what I really want to do is be able to get my stuff in these different stores, but have it be free. I, I can't do that with CD Baby. I oh. would like to, I would like to be in the iTunes store, but costs nothing. That was that's my goal. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I think DistroKid does allow for that. And uh, the thing I really like about DistroKid is they're the only service that I know of that give you daily stats on streaming services like oh. Spotify and stuff like that. So you'll get your daily stats on how many people. How yeah, many I people have absolutely no insight whatsoever. I think <laughs> <on> CD Baby. <laughs> they, Very true. Anyway, I, CD Baby is a great service. I highly recommend them. They are great. Uh, they are good. They are. They're a good company, and they're founded by a really great guy uh, who I think is also a New York person. Oh, really? Right? Oh, cool. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But you're from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. That's kind of like your 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 jam, right? Oh man, it's the greatest city in the world. I mean, greatest I, city. In the I, world. I can't imagine living anywhere else. You uh, you find the tech scene rewarding there? Uh, I I like it a lot better than than the West Coast. I have to say, um, uh, I I lived in San Francisco for three years, and I think uh, New York is a far more for me a far more fulfilling place to be a programmer um, because of the diversity of the interests of everybody that's here. Yeah, you have a lot more people doing financial services, I know. But in addition to that, you just have people from all different fields, and it's not like just a bunch of people trying to flip apps, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like <laughs> I, I think the, the, the way I, I try to describe it to people is like you walk into any coffee shop in uh, San Francisco, and you're going to hear everybody in the entire place talking about one thing and one thing only, and that's, you know... The, the startup game, right? Which yeah. is you're gonna you know, hear the word Node.js or React at least three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It doesn't it's matter either, what part of the city you're in. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna. 
you're, you're going to uh, hear about like 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 life at a startup or a you know JavaScript framework of some kind. Even if you're like <laughs> Hayden Ashbury, you're still going to hear that stuff. Very true. Very true. Uh, but yeah. here in here in New York, you know, you have a. a you know, you have a, a, a diverse array of interests. So you sit down in a coffee shop and you're going to hear about people talking about their television pilot. You're going to hear people, you know, talking about their band or you're going to hear talking about, you know, a uh, film that they're shooting or, you know, I have friends that when I lived in San Francisco, all my friends were in the startup game here in New York. It's like I have friends who are ballerinas i have friends who yeah, are yeah. you know uh fine artists you know i live in a building with uh a, that's not a to say that those things sculptors. don't exist in the valley but they're it seems yeah. as though there's more of a bubble over there when it comes to the tech scene where it's like kind of self-insulated reinforcing echo chamber it felt that way to me uh um, yeah and that's not to knock it for some people they really thrive in that environment that's true and, and there's something to be said for you know the the amount of focus it gives you, um, and, and certainly, you know, I, Paul Graham actually came here and he spoke one time, and uh, he made the statement, which I think is, I think is accurate, which is the reason why Silicon Valley has such an edge over a place like New York is that startups are the cool thing to do. Yeah, and in New York, you know, if you want to be cool, you have to be like a movie star. Or, or a or rock Jay-Z. star, or AKA, you actually have to be cool. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. But here, you know, you you know, uh, I, I think there's um, the the software that you build is informed by a more diverse array of creative influences, and for me, I think that's. Uh, a really important thing, and why I uh, why I prefer it, uh, living and working here than anywhere else in the world. It's excellent. So, what are you working on right now? Since you're not at Twilio anymore. Well, I'm uh, working on raising a puppy. That that's, sounds like fun. Yeah, she's in the back right there. I don't know if you can see her, but so that's yeah. your your yeah. your number one startup. Uh, uh, it, at the moment. It, it, is, it is certainly the the most time consuming of my efforts, <laughs> right now. Uh, and that's uh, that's been a boatload of fun. So chasing her around's been um, uh, a big a big part of my winter. Um, but on the uh, on the software front, I've gotten to work with uh, a lot of other a lot of other stuff in the Python ecosystem that I didn't necessarily have the the luxury of time to delve into when I was. Um, when I was at Twilio, so I've been writing a lot of TensorFlow code, been uh, oh, playing with UV Loop. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Can you tell our to... listeners about TensorFlow and what it's for? So, ten, so TensorFlow's uh, a neural network uh, library that Google put out. It's starting to be like the jam for quote unquote deep learning, um, and uh, there there's been a, a a growing ecosystem around it. So, if you're really really into uh, using neural networks. Is that networks. what those image, those weird image generator things I've seen are based on? Quite a few are. Quite a few are. There was one on Hacker News this week. I, it feels like there's a new one every week on Hacker yeah. News. Yeah. Uh, so uh, TensorFlow enables you to do a number of different things, including the image uh, classification piece. But the thing I, I have found it... Um, the, the thing that's been really illuminating to me through this uh, a process of working with TensorFlow is just how just how simple the math is around 
creating a neural network. I, you know, as yeah. a as a lay programmer, like I'm not a mathematician. I'm a hacker, right? Like I take yeah. a whole bunch of different stuff, slam it together into you know some form of an experience, and hope that it, it makes a positive impact on the world. Um, and you know, every time I read a, a machine learning or a deep learning paper, I'm just like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like, wow, this uh, this stuff is like way beyond me. Uh, but uh, TensorFlow makes it a lot easier without remove without making it too magical. So if you're if you're interested in the math, if you want to learn how this stuff is actually working, uh, the frameworks interface is set up in such a way that um, you're you're going to learn something substantive about working with neural networks. So uh, is it kind of like the, the pan, like Pandas is to statistics as uh, TensorFlow is to deep learning, basically, where like I, it's a tool that it makes it like so easy to do that. It help. It can teach you as you're messing around with it, and you don't need to be an expert. I, I think. I think it definitely, in the same way that pandas opens, you know, a lay programmer up to a whole lot of statistical analysis that they perhaps wouldn't be able to do if they were just using NumPy alone. Yeah. Uh, TensorFlow definitely does that. Um, gotcha. I think Pandas is a little bit more magical, and, and I'm a huge Pandas fan. Uh, I've used it, and Wes McKinney was here in New York uh, when he first built it, so I got to I got to use it very, very early and yeah. have relied on it on a weekly basis ever since. Uh, so I'm a huge fan. Uh, I think I think TensorFlow is a little um, uh, a little more uh, granular in the um, Exposure that the uh, impl- implementing engineer has to the underlying mathematics, which is which is really neat. That's excellent. So, what are you building with it? Are you allowed uh, to talk about it? Or? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, the big thing is I have one of these guys, um, which is a, a Cosmo from Anki. They're a, a it's like, it's a, like little, a little robot. Yeah, it's a little toy robot uh, that has a uh, async uh, Python 3.5 interface uh, to control it. And I'm working on uh, building a, a little a little app that will uh, chase my puppy around the apartment while ah, so avoiding. The puppy is your main focus. <laughs> while, while avoiding while avoiding obstacles, and and so far it's been uh, it's been kind of eerily effective. So it's that's awesome. Fun, fun. Yeah. And you're using deep learning to do that. I, it, well, I, deep learning. I'm using. I am using a neural net. Uh, I, I'm not sure how particularly deep how particularly deep it is. Like my the net that, I, that I'm working on right now only has three layers to it, so it's not like it's not deep, deep. But I dropped out of school, and I, but I took like one computer science class or two, and one of the things that we did was program a, a Roomba to in Python, and that was pretty fun. Oh man, it, you know the this little device is fun, uh, mostly because. Uh, it has a lot of onboard stuff that makes uh, image classification a lot easier to use. Like the camera is already in black and white, so you don't have to do any like uh, filtering. Yeah, filtering or image transformation. Uh, it also uh, has facial recognition built, built in. It has pet recognition built in too. Oh wow! So so really, all the stuff that you that you really have to do is just work on the on the obstacle avoidance. Which and so what's the name of this cool. device again? It's the Cosmo C O Z M O. Uh, it's like 180 bucks. Uh, it is twice that in fun, though. It is a absolutely <laughs> adorable little thing. Drives Ada completely bananas. 
Uh, but it's uh, it's certainly I should, fun to play I should I would get one of those and have it torment my cat. That's what I would train <laughs> to do. Yeah, it's fun. I, I'm thinking about making like a, a Twitch plays with it, like set up an obstacle course on my desk and just have Twitch like guide the robot over my. Oh desk. yeah, that'd I think be that'd awesome. be really fun. Yeah. As any, I bet no one's done that before. Uh, oh well, we'll see. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if uh, people are interested in, in playing that. But um, it's a great idea. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. Definitely. So, are you working on any uh, open source stuff? Uh, I don't really have anything I've open sourced yet. I'm working on a, a bot client for uh, a collectible card game uh, on mobile called Plants vs Zombies Heroes that I'll open source. But oh, cool. Yeah, I'm not 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 working on a on a larger larger project. I do want to build a messaging server based on UV Loop that I'll open source. Um, uh, because that's I, I'm getting crazy, crazy performance uh, out of it from live so, UV. Yeah, for, yeah. The so UV loop is the uh, uh, it's the uh, core of V8, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's the core of Node.js, uh, and you can take that event loop and with a single line replace the async I/O event loop in Python 3.5. Yeah, and, and then just use all the standard. Syntax still for yeah. async IO. Yeah, and it, well, I mean, you get the whole wealth of the entire Python ecosystem uh, available to you. Um, it's just running at blazingly ridiculous speeds. So that's fantastic. I'll have to check it out. I the the, the on the last episode with Yarko, which it is published today, um, we were talking about Curio, and it's mm. it. It boasts it's pure Python and it boasts G event speeds, which is quite impressive. What? But Live UV should blow that out of the water. So oh, holy jeez, holy jeez. There's a lot of stuff going on in in async Python right now. I think now that now that we have, you know, a a stable, accepted interface for what this should look like inside Python. Uh, yeah. We're seeing just a crazy amount of radical development going on in this space, and I, I think, you know. Uh, so is is your thing going to be like a one-liner to replace the the event loop in Python with LiveUV, or is, does that not exist right now? Uh, no, it exists right now. Uh, the UV loop uh, has all you have to do is set up uh, uh, an event policy uh, and and drop it in an async I/O to use it. It's a super super elegant implementation. What I'd like to do on top of it is build a messaging server. Um, gotcha. Because I I'm working on a lot of projects right now that require messaging, and uh, I, I think it would be a neat neat way to spend spend part of the winter uh, and and a good open source project to get a get an actual app built on. Uh, UV or, or an application framework built on UV loop. Uh, so this be kind of like a replacement for SQS or something like that. Well, I would imagine. Uh, I would hope that it would be able to use any kind of messaging protocols. So if uh, you know, my ambition would be like if you wanted to use IRC or you wanted to use XMPP or you wanted to use you know Kafka protocol or you wanted to use yeah. um, you know MQTT is really big in IoT right now, which is where I'd where I'd probably use uh, use it a lot. Uh, I think it'd be neat if um, you know the messaging framework as a whole were uh, you know protocol agnostic, and then folks can implement whatever they need on top of that. Sounds like a fun project. No, well, it should be fun. We'll we'll, we'll see if uh, see if I get it done. But <laughs> <laughs> well, in your experience at Twilio, should probably give you some insight into that t- problem set. I would think. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, spending spending as much time as I did working with the, the messaging team at Twilio, there's definitely, uh, I, I learned quite a bit about what, you know, what performant messaging looks like at scale. And yeah. I think UV Loop affords uh, a really fascinating opportunity to get even more performance out of even smaller hardware. Um, which could which could be a significant uh, a significant amount. I mean, if you're getting like Go like concurrency uh, out of pure Python, I mean that would be crazy. Yeah, who would complain? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. I, as you were mentioning cards. I just started collecting playing cards this week. Oh, did you really? Uh, yeah, just like normal 52 card decks, you know. Oh, gotcha. There's so many of them out there. I have uh, about 55 or so decks now. Yeah, and, I, uh, I have a buddy really of mine. Fun. I have a buddy of mine who's a magician, and apparently there's just like a whole like card collecting subculture uh, around yeah. around vintage cards, and like some are, yep, you know, yep. good for particular good for particular purposes. Some uh, it, it seems like the most rare ones and maybe yeah, I imagine you know more about this than I do but well I just got into this less than a week ago so <laughs> yeah. well apparently the ones that have like flaws in them are the ones that are like super super valuable ones that yeah. you can oh, tell I what the cards are so. yeah. they have just I, like very very minute printing flaws in them that make them like I got a deck valuable. that intentionally has printing flaws oh really uh, yeah it's called the glitch deck the glitch deck <laughs> <laughs> that's good it, uh, they get really creative with them. The, the most expensive ones that I, I didn't go searching for really. I, I looked for ones that were like you know new and like I can get order off of Amazon mostly. Gotcha. Um, but I did find there's one deck in particular that was really beautiful that this small company made and they were selling them at Walmart and everything. Oh wow! And then they they just ran out. So now. <laughs> So now they're selling for nine hundred dollars uh, a pack. Jesus. Yeah, but wow. they're going back in print next month. So I'm just gonna wait until uh, they go back well, in print. Wisely. If someone someone has them on, listed on Amazon on Amazon right now for nine hundred and thirty seven dollars. And I'm like, people really get into this stuff. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. There's there's a community for everybody on the internet. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, have you taken a look at Pip yet? Uh, I haven't. This is your uh, this is your approach to uh, environment management in Python. Yes, it is a it is a sacred marriage of pip virtual env and a new thing called a pip file, which is like a gem file. Okay. So we have now pip file and pip file lock. Oh. So because right now we have requirements.txt, which is both a gem file and a gem file lock. You can yeah. use it deter- deterministically or humanly. Uh, where you just say, I want this stuff installed, or this is my full set of dependencies and sub-dependencies and all the explicit versions that they require. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the, the pip file is a new thing that's going to be added into pip, which will uh, allow you to be like, okay, in the pip file I'm saying what I actually want, and then the lock file is is all of the dirty, the dirty stuff, you know, all the stuff that I don't care about, but needs to be deterministic for the build. Oh, righteous. Oh, Including man. SHAs and stuff like that. Oh, so man. you can use pipenv today if you want to get that functionality now. And it'll also create a virtual env for you automatically and stick your stuff in there. And it has a dash dash two option or a dash dash three option. So oh, nice. virtual env. Oh, nice. So it, nice. It's pretty nice. Yeah. 
I just oh, broke 3,000 GitHub stars, so I'm pretty excited about it. Oh, look at you. Kind of saves the day again. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think I had any more in me, but apparently this, this one's catching on. So Oh, that's we'll righteous, see. man. That's righteous. I, I will definitely. I will use it today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so the idea is even once pip gets this, this will still be a valuable tool because you do pip env install. I was using Composer for... For, I was playing around with PHP for a little bit with somebody. Mm-hmm. I was showing someone how to do PHP properly. Uh-huh. And to do that, I had to learn how to do it properly. <laughs> and when you do composer install, it automatically modifies your composer.json file and adds the package to it for you. And I'm like, oh, that's wow. such a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, pip, so pipm does that. So you do pipm install requests. Oh, wow. And, and it'll, add, it'll modify your pip file for you. And add oh, that's good. So you don't have to freeze to requirements anymore. And oh, that's, that's so great. Yeah, that's, just that's it, it. you really got to check it. Just watch the little screenshot. I have a little GIF of it in action. If you like, look really carefully at what's going on, it saves you so much time and work. It's oh, really man. great. I'm way in. I'm way in. And there's pretty terminal colors. And I have a little... Oh, uh, hey. There we go. I had to, there was no Braille spinner available for Python. Have you ever seen that in her, on the Heroku oh, yeah, tool yeah, belt? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it uses the Unicode Braille symbols yeah, to yeah, do yeah, a yeah. spinner. So I, I had to open source one of those. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of little polish that went into it. Oh, that's good. That's good work. That's good work. Well, yeah, I call it blind spin. Blind spin? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'll have to I'll have to drop that in uh, in every every CLI tool I make from now on. <laughs> and it's now compatible with 2.6. It wasn't at first. Oh, was so it? Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, cuz I cuz Pifam needs to support everything basically. So uh, Yeah, that's true. So we get lots of different users who complain about different things and we get it fixed. Oh, good. It was really fun to try to figure out the exact interval to sleep for it to look nice, you know? Uh-huh. I, got, I played around with a lot of variables. I, I ended up with like point zero one five seconds or something. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. And that must have been uh, zero fun. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that, that, was, that was my favorite part. It's like oh really? Because <laughs> I like playing with synthesizers and stuff and it's all oh, yeah, yeah, that's and true, just that's right, true. you know? Oh, wow. And so I, I love that. Oh, that's crazy. It's getting the parameter right. That is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Cool. So you're working on, on robots and you're working on that stuff. What, um, is there anything? So historically, I'm trying to think like, so you know, you're a Python guy. Twilio was a Python shop. You, that's, that is your primary language, Python, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's my main jam. Um, is there any other languages that you've spent a lot of time with that you, or that you are looking at spending time with? Well, I, I think like uh, I think like a lot of people that were working on working on messaging, um, I, I've uh, done a, a smattering of Go code so far, and that's been uh, a yeah. crap load of fun to work with. Um, and I, I'm starting, you know, I'm I'm really getting excited about where that where that community is is headed as well. Um, and I think I, I think nearly everybody that was working on concurrency with with Python is starting to look at that carefully. Um, and you know, we started we started expanding into mobile over the course of the past three years at, at Twilio. So I got to spend a lot of time with Android development as well, which is a really fun ecosystem. And I, I How, mean, just a, what a is mobile tool. integration for Twilio look like? Is that like mobile clients? 
Yeah, so there uh, there are a few products that are, are that are mobile only uh, that Twilio oh. also offers, like uh, video support. So if you want to have video chat, um, like the Hangouts experience that we have right now, if you want to have that oh. inside uh, your mobile app, you can do that with Twilio Video. There's a programmable chat product. Uh, oh, that, I had no idea. It, yeah, yeah, it's a it, it's pretty wild, um, and they're they're all reaching a, a level of robustness that's 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 pretty pretty crazy so if you're if you're looking to have any kind of real-time communication inside your your mobile app the the ambition at least for those for those products is to make it as easy as it was as Twilio made it for SMS and for and for making phone calls it's a good pivot I like that well I you know it's every developer was asking for it so that's usually usually what drives uh, us to do <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh, have you played around with Rust at all? I haven't played at all with Rust. Uh, I was talking with Clarence about I. it. He, he's he is absolutely uh, absolutely gonzo for it. Uh, Everyone that I've talked to that's used Rust is like acts like it's the best language ever written. And, <laughs> and that no one should ever write anything else. Uh, uh, yeah, and so that, that kind of scares me away from it because well, I don't. I'm a high level programmer. I try to stay as literally high level as possible. Like I even take standard libraries and make even higher level abstractions on top of them. Yeah. So I don't think Rust is language for me because it because it's very low level. But uh, if you are a low level programmer, it seems like it would be inappropriate to write something in C when Rust is available if you're starting from scratch today. It's, it's kind of the gist I'm getting from Rust programmers. It, it would seem that way. It seems like a lot of uh, embedded folks are are, uh, are 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 definitely taking a hard look at Rust. At least the embedded folks that I talk with during my time at Twilio are, are taking a, a hard look at Rust. Um, and I think for, for embedded stuff, the impression I get is that it's for security mostly, right? I, I mean, part of it, yeah, because almost every, you know, almost every, you know, overflow happens because, you know, you haven't done the pointer arithmetic correctly. And um, as I understand, you know, Rust makes that a, a lot more manageable, especially if you're working with a larger team. Uh, yeah. I, I was kind of surprised when I, I took a trip to China um, end of last year, and I still I, I encountered a lot of Go users, encountered a lot of um, uh, folks that were you know using you know current they were already using Python three five. There there were a lot of folks that were using some pretty cutting edge stuff. But I didn't run into a lot of Rust developers while I was out there, and that was kind of surprising to me. Interesting. Well, it's a very probably English focused language right now. There might not be many resources available in other languages yet. I mean, it's possible. I, I mean, most of the developers I talked to had, um, you know, I, 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 would, I would say at least written fluency in English, but gotcha. um, I, I, didn't, I didn't encounter any embedded folks that were doing anything other than C, um, which, you know, that's, a, that's part of the world that does a lot of embedded programming. So I was kind of surprised to see that. Hmm. Well, do you want to get to the fun part of the podcast? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Fun time. I was on a podcast recently, and they asked me this question, and uh, I've been doing it to all my guests ever since because I love it. They asked me my top five, and it included books, movies, uh, albums, uh, TV shows, you know, stuff like that. And they oh, made me answer man. it for each category, but I just kind of clump <laughs> it all into one top five. <laughs> oh, know? that's awesome. Uh, the the high-fidelity question, that's that's crazy. I was just talking yeah, about that movie last night. Exactly, exactly. Well, And the book, which I, I think the book is really good, too. 
Uh, I so, didn't know there was a book. Oh yeah, Nick Hornby. Oh man, he is so good. Especially if you love if you love like music and being critical about music, like like all his books are fantastic. They're they're basically written for. A, a guy, you know, a, a guy like me who, you know, loves really obscure records and likes to yeah. pretend that, you know, he has better taste than other people, but he really doesn't. <laughs> I really love the movie because I, I love John Cusack. I think oh, he's man. fantastic. I fell in love with him when watching that movie. That's kind of the movie that sells him for me. Oh, most of. Oh, well, and, and Jack Black's character, I feel, is just like every record store friend I've ever had. <laughs> Like he capture he captures that personality like absolutely perfectly. I'm gonna have to watch that soon. I forgot about that movie. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So so what let's start with the uh, all time favorite albums. What are your all time favorite albums? Uh top top five records. Uh, number one is easy. That's Rocket to Russia by the Ramones. Uh, okay. That was my that was the first punk record I ever got my hands on. I was more of an offspring guy. <laughs> hey, there's no fault. There's no fault in that. <laughs> I, I mean, they were all know. the punk I needed. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in Kansas. You grew up in Virginia. Like, it's not like you're running. Well, I was in Minnesota at the time. Oh, but... okay. You don't have an excuse then. The, yeah. The Ramones were in. The Ramones were in Minnesota like all the time. Oh, were they really? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not at the time. I don't know. I was in like seventh or eighth grade when I got into that stuff, gotcha. and I was I was discovering older albums. Yeah, so I got into like Green Day and uh, and really got into the Offspring, and I think that was mostly it when it came to to punk rock. And there was another band that I really did enjoy a few of their songs. They sounded like a lot like the Offspring, and they were also pretty popular. But I can't remember their name. It wasn't the Ramones. It was the Somethings. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, there's, I know there's literally like a thousand of those. <laughs> there are quite a few, but that would sound like the offspring that started with the. I think it started with the. Hmm. It, it could be. It could be quite a few, but you yeah, know, there, there were a lot of bands at that time that were that were getting that were getting big. Well, to me, The Offspring is the greatest punk band of all time because they use the same three chords in every song. And it's the same drum beat. Well, well I mean, so does, so, every other, so does every other <laughs> punk band, right? <laughs> I think they just take it to this logical extreme where it's like the, every drum beat in every song is literally it is identical. absolutely the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... Like, if you drum to The Offspring, if you know one song, you know all their songs perfectly. It's really funny. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's yeah. true. Uh, I loved uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic's, Yankovic's Polka Party. That's definitely oh, my yeah. second uh, second favorite. That that really, um, when it comes to like comedy and music and and like just the quality of his musicianship, the yes, the yes. erudition of his lyrics, like like I just uh, you know I, he's still one of my favorite artists to this day. I think. Are you a Richard Cheese fan by chance? Oh, I am a Richard Cheese fan. Yeah, I've seen him like fantastic. a bajillion times. He's really oh. funny. I've never had the opportunity to see him live. Oh my gosh, dude! He is—he is, he is <laughs> uh, that character. 
is <laughs> meant for a live show. He is so, he is so ridiculous. That, that band, I mean, first of all, he what? has like a world-class swing band behind him. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they're, they're really, really fun to watch. And if you're into like big band jazz, uh, the level of execution there is like really, really high. Uh, but he's also just a ridiculously entertaining like parody. My favorite character. track of his is the uh, Down With The Sickness. Oh, yeah. That's everybody's favorite. He does a he, he, he brings a bunch of people on, uh, from the crowd in the live show and they do a can-can line. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness and they're kicking. It's just, it is so much fun to watch. It is so much fun to watch. Is that in Vegas? Uh, he, he plays in Vegas a lot. He plays in San Francisco a lot. Um, I'm not, I'll check it out he, he has a Yeah, anytime you can see Lounge Against the Machine live. <laughs> you gotta, I'm going to see what it. I can do. Yeah. I had the opportunity to see Tool live, and they're one of my favorite Oh, albums, God, Tool is... Many of theirs. And uh, I went to an escape room game for my team instead. And I was like, Tool is playing tonight. This would be my first Tool concert. And it's like right across the street. I have the opportunity to do that or do the team team building exercise. And I chose the team building exercise. Wow. And I, I made the wrong decision. <laughs> hey, man. Well, well, those opportunities, especially when you're working remote, are tough to turn down. But They are. They are. But God. It... But I didn't really like the Room Escape game very much because it was all very puzzle-based, you know? Uh-huh. Where I thought it was more like physical, where it was like you know you like have to find a key or something, but uh-huh. it was more like do math and stuff like that. The one, the one that I was in. Oh my, oh my. So, yeah. Anyway, you can proceed with your list. Uh, let me see. Number three is Milo Goes to College um, by The Descendants, uh, which I've is, never heard of them. Uh, that they're they're uh, a very influential, important like early pop punk band, um, and they had a they had a lot of they had a lot of it, the the lead singer Milo is a dork, um, and, and just like a you know pathologically uncool person, and so hearing a bunch of songs talking about being pathologically uncool and still being mm. into punk rock, uh, I think really resonated with me at a young age. Um, Did your dog just turn on your light? Uh, my dog is actually ringing the bell to go to the bathroom, so oh. <laughs> I think we may have to. I mean, I think we may have to finish this top five list and hit pause if that's okay. That's and totally I can, fine. I can take her out. It'll take about fifteen minutes to do it if that's okay. I'm sorry. Well, if you want, we can just. Can you can you go for three more minutes and we can just wrap the whole show up? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's um, do that. Uh, so where are we at? Number four is REM's Automatic for the People. Uh, which was one of the very first records I ever bought, and um, you know, as a as a as a singer that's not particularly good uh, and wasn't didn't have the good fortune of like the genetics of a good voice, uh, I loved hearing a really deep band that ended up being really huge with a singer that really couldn't sing at all. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, there was a lot. There was a lot on that record that uh, remains resonant today. Um, and there are a lot of the records that I really adored, but that one was the one that I think really, really sunk me on that band. Uh, and the last one is probably the most influential to me as a, as a, you know, uh, a, a current musician, which is No Effects's Punk and Drublick. I, I, I mean, <laughs> Punk and Drublick. Yeah, I, I think like Fat Mike's voice is is totally the closest to to what 
I, I try to aspire to be as a as a singer and as a as a front person and um, you know to to have songs that are deeply personal next to songs that are deeply political um, and, and other songs that are just like ridiculous and silly uh, was was an aesthetic that I really I really loved. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> I don't want to keep you too. What long. What are your top five? I, I'd be interested five? to hear that. Yeah, I it's really hard for me to come up with it. You're not going to like some of the answers. Oh, uh, that's okay. That's okay. So my I don't know. I I go back and forth with a lot of them, and some of them are historically top five. I don't listen to them very much anymore. Oh wow. So like one of my top five is a Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Oh wow. Wow. It's like that's a fucking great album. Dude, and it was you know when that I was thing. A kid. That thing was like the, number the, one on the Billboard for like five fucking years. It like, was a great album. <laughs> 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 it was but, crazy how big that was. And then uh, also with that is the they did a remix album called Reanimation. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. They made that a hip hop like, version of it and it was just even better. It, but it so was it, like it was like 4 years after the original record came out, right? Like it was a long time. I don't say. know. I think it was like 2 years maybe. 2 years? It, it, yeah. it felt like a long time. Like because back then like remix records were like like two months after, three months after the main record drops, and this was like quality stuff. Like it, wow. like if you knew the in, the first record intimately, like they rewarded you with this other one. It was like a whole wow. new approach to the same song. So that is crazy. Uh, so that's not something I ever listened to really, but it still has like th- those songs had such an impact on me as a child that like they still get me, you know. Um, so other top fives are Lateralist by Tool is, oh, okay. one of, is a Such an fantastic album. Yeah, is, uh, a lot of Tool records are great, but that one's that one my was favorite. just Parabola. Oh, and and song. the song Lateralist is my favorite track of probably my favorite track of all time. Okay. That has a singer. Um, yeah, uh, other ones. Uh, I really like Kanye a lot. I love Kanye. I hear that. Which, which is the one that I thought you wouldn't like. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he did my bar- my uh, I always confuse the name. I think it's my dark, beautiful, twisted fantasy. Gotcha. And uh, that's his uh, pinnacle of his musicianship. I think it's oh, really? his production values is it's stellar record. Every track is incredible. That's his magnum opus. Right there. It is his magnum opus. Yes. Exactly. Is that the one he did with Rick Rubin? Because he did a record with Rick Rubin. No, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Okay. That was the one that he threw together in two weeks with Rick Rubin. Yeah. Apparently, he just like <laughs> he walked in without anything, like He's anything like... written down, and just like <laughs> dropped two songs like in the space of like fifteen minutes or something ridiculous. Yeah. Like that. It's a good album. He did that one with Daft Punk too. Oh really? Wow. Daft That's Punk crazy. and Rick Rubin, and they just they threw the whole thing together in two and a half weeks. That is crazy. That is yeah. madness. Yeah, so that was he said that was his I'm gonna take my ball and go home album because <laughs> <laughs> he was upset at the fashion industry for not letting him do fashion. Oh, really? So, so he was just like, fine, I'll make whatever music I want. And oh, so fair. he just like threw it together. Oh, uh, I, I have a Kanye like Saint candle over here on my desk. <laughs> I really like him a lot for praying to the Church of West. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also have the Book of Jesus, which is the Book of Genesis, where they, oh, uh, I got it off of, off of uh, Etsy, where they take every word, every reference to God, and replace it with Jesus. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know the when I first moved to New York, uh, I lived in the same place, just down the street. I'm like walking home from work. And uh, there are just nothing but gigantic, like, 
limos and a ton of like sports cars around. And they were all around this uh, uh, bank that they were renovating down the street. And I'm just like walking by. I'm like, what's going on? There are a ton of people around. And I'm just like, is there is there like an award show in my neighborhood that I didn't know about? Like, what is yeah. going on? And they were like, it's Kanye's birthday party. He was. <laughs> Hand to God, he had his birthday party like like four blocks away from my four blocks away from my house. That's fantastic. Strangely enough, I wasn't invited, but <laughs> that would be a great thing to crash. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that, that's like my some of my top five. I have other ones like Moby. I really like Moby a lot, but I never gotcha. listen to him anymore. But I need to, you know, he's on my list. I hear that. Uh, I listen to a lot of hip hop nowadays. Uh, Beginning into Big Sean lately. He's a new one for me. Gotcha. Uh, so I listen to a lot of like top hits uh, hip hop right now. And movies. My favorite movie right now is Doctor Strange. Oh man, that was just gorgeous. What it was a te- fantastic. What a technical achievement. I, I mean, I just I could not believe how how I saw it like three times in theaters because I was like, there's no way it's going to be as good on. You know, I, I have a, a a a embarrassingly large television, uh, <laughs> and, and I knew it still wasn't going to be as good uh, as seeing it in theaters. That was yeah, that's just, definitely my favorite superhero movie I've ever seen. Like, man. I liked Iron Man a lot and all those, but yeah. or Marvel movie, but but that one just took the cake for me because I'm really into esoteric stuff and you know all that stuff that they touched on that movie and it was just like it's perfect fusion of all of it well and, and, and I, I think the the reason why I like the Marvel movies is the same reason I like the Marvel comic books it, it um, they capture like the character of the source material in a way I don't think you yeah. know many other superhero movies do like no, you like know the, the Batman, Batman movies like don't... played with like duality and mysticism a little bit but it, it was never like really they're more about the protagonist the, or yeah. the antagonist than they are about Batman yeah yeah and you know the the thing about the Marvel movies and the thing I think Benedict Cumberbatch just like captured perfectly with his depiction of Doctor Strange is is like Every Marvel hero is like fundamentally flawed in a very serious way. Yeah, and they yeah. caught they caught his cockiness, uh-huh. right? And, 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 and that is betraying like a, a severe lack of self worth in a way that I just thought was perfect. Like That's he was great. the perfect Stephen Strange. <laughs> Man, I've, I had never read the comic book, so that was my first intro to that character at all. Was that movie? Oh, uh, but I. I've read into the Marvel Universe a bit on the they have like a wiki dedicated to it so I'm a little familiar with how deep the Infinity Stones go and all that crap oh man uh, so you, you could spend like it's gonna it's gonna get crazy that's all I know yeah yeah it's, no I, I mean like the, so you the, have to watch all of the movies oh yeah but, you do which you know uh, <laughs> is another reason is another way that they're keeping the, the like Marvel connection like really really tight because there was a stretch there and the stretch that a lot of these movies are depicting were, were the stretch where that I started really getting into Marvel comic books and it felt like you had to read like all of them you had to read all of them to know what was going on because so much crap was going on with each individual character if you didn't read yeah that's what ha- they do that in the movies too yeah yeah which is which is smart it's smart they, they, they're going to keep that thing going for another 20 years at I least. can't wait. I can't. I mean, it's just such... It is the golden age of geek right now. It is so great to be a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, and we're finally making money, and uh, it's a cool thing to <laughs> do in San not. Francisco. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Rob. It was great to have you. Is hey, man, it's great you to see you. I, I hope you'll uh, yeah. let me know when you're up in uh, New York. Would love to love to catch up and uh, grab you a beer. Definitely, I'll have to uh, swing by the meetup there sometime soon. Oh, dude, you got to do it. Got to do it. I'll I'll see what I can do. I can drive up there. It's only like five hour drive. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not very far. You got to get up here. We'll go see a show. It's interesting to uh, drive in the city. I uh, I always have an adventure <laughs> doing that because I'm used to driving in my little town of thirty thousand people. <laughs> Well, and I've only driven into the city once, and it was uh, it was an adventure. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's a yeah. And parking well. parking was was an adventure. <laughs> I was I'm amazed at those parking structures that they have. It's just like because all the buildings have these like tire parking lots underneath them, and they're like these little tiny <laughs> narrow corridors. Yeah, and it's like cars are squeezed so close together. It was I was very impressed. You, you find out how much you really know your car, like how wide <laughs> it is, how tall it is. You you. Find find out that yeah my wife would never ever ever (laughs) be able to drive in new york city she would kill three people in an hour it'd be great anyway all right thanks for coming on the show and thanks to all the listeners uh we'll have another episode up pretty soon and uh, again that was rob's music at the beginning uh so thanks you can check out his band where can we learn more about your band is it on soundcloud you can go it's on soundcloud it's on spotify it's on uh well i guess what cd is shut down now but anywhere you can buy or steal great music uh agcap is definitely there and you can find us at our website at agcap.biz the biz (laughs) stands for serious business serious business (laughs) that's fantastic you should have gone with like a .net or something like that oh this is is a bit less uh, like that's even lower on the chain than .net I think think so I think so that's great one day.com will be there (laughs) alright cool alright brother thanks a lot thanks a lot for the time we'll see you around yep take care and we can hit stop record